Welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. It is our first episode, talking about the first episode of season 46. Uh, here with me is Randall Walter McDonald. Hey guys, and with me is the Brian Paradise. The Brian Paradise, the that Brian is Paradise. correct. So uh, we are so excited that, as an, Randall, Saturday yeah. Night Live is back. It's back, baby. It's back. It really, you can feel the the weight of the the time spent apart because we not only, it's not only even the summer, but the last season ended prematurely when they were doing those few SNL at home episodes. So it's really mm. been a long time since there's been a new episode of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can tell that everybody's happy to be back. Yeah, everybody Re- just seems yeah. so happy. Yeah, regardless that there's some new changes to the set and the band and the players all have to uh, get COVID tested every day, but it's all worth it because we're back. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of things about the presentation of the episode I want to talk about, some of the changes that they made. Uh, I want to start with our host for the week, Chris Rock. We also had some special guests in there. Where are you at on Chris Rock? We talked a little bit about this on our pilot episode. Yeah, I, I like Chris Rock. Uh, I love his stand-up. I love his stand-up. Um, He's one of my, I would put him in the top 10 of my standups. Um, his last one was the last one tambourine on yes. they did. That one was his last one. That's it's been a while since he's done stand up. Yeah. What's interesting about Chris Rock is that he uh, is constantly working, but he'll do a special three years, yeah. five years at a pretty long interval. Cause I think in terms of his hour long kind of prime time specials, he maybe has five or six. Yeah. He's not somebody that, uh, by contrast, somebody like Lewis Black that's writing new material constantly and has a new album out. He's probably done 10 albums. Right. Compared to Chris Rock does these like major ones every maybe two or three a decade. Yeah, that's kind of like, it's like Jerry uh, Seinfeld. Yes, he does very that similar. But I love him. I love him a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like Chris Rock a lot. I grew up on his stand-up uh, right around... I discovered him right around OJ time. He had mm. a lot of OJ material yeah. that uh, I really liked. And he was kind of like my gateway into stand-up because that early 90s, there, there was if there was one thing that as a 10, 12-year-old I could understand was the OJ trial because it was so omnipresent. And uh-huh. so that got me into people like him. Dana Carvey had a really big special around that time um, that I was really into. So that was my introduction to Chris Rock. He's obviously a returning cast member. He mm-hmm. hasn't come back a lot. He had a pretty small stint on the show as a cast member. I don't think he ever really found his footing. He didn't have a lot of return uh, returning characters, and, but he's obviously been very successful as a stand-up. He's been mm-hmm. successful as a movie personality. I'm assuming the reason why he was back is to coincide with the new season of Fargo, where right. he is the you're one of the big stars for this season. So uh, I'm excited to talk about uh, Chris Rock. I want to kind of start with the cold open. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this episode is coming at a weird time yes. because they write, from what I understand, the SNL writers start from on Saturday and then produce. I'm sorry, start on Tuesday and produce the show on Saturday. So, in the world, especially in the United States, there's a lot of things that happened from Tuesday <laughs> to Saturday. Yeah, uh, Tuesday was the debate, and the cold open that we got is in was in the form of the debate. But they also had their kind of. Uh, text at the beginning that the opening crawl that kind of set up that uh, due to things that have happened since Tuesday, 
Who knows if we'll get another debate. So the frame, the framing premise of the sketch was that this was a rerun of the debate. Yeah. Who, whose voice is that? Who does those? Because that's a he's done a lot of those, and they're always so funny. Oh, I don't know. I I, I didn't even think to make a note of it because Daryl Hammond, former cast member, right. is now the announcer after Don Pardo died. But I'm not sure if he did that opening crawl narration. Mm-hmm. I miss. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna go to, down this route, but I miss Daryl Hammond's uh, his Trump. I I miss that, and I wish he could have been doing Trump this whole time. I absolutely love Daryl Hammond. Uh, he is such a talented... He was on for a very long time. I should have looked up the, the exact numbers, but he was a cast member from like early 90s, and he didn't leave until like 2013, 14, yeah. 15. Like, he was on for almost 20 years, and he was such a prolific political... Um, impersonator, impressionist, yeah. doing Clinton and Trump and just about any prominent uh, political figure that I, I think that you, you definitely miss him. Uh, and that, I guess, leads us into this sketch. So we mm-hmm. had um, Beck Bennett playing Chris Wallace as the debate moderator, uh, self-effacing. And then you had the, the two candidates. You had and both guest stars coming in. Mm-hmm. Baldwin continuing his five-year run as Trump. Right. And uh, new newcomer, newcomer fre- fresher uh, off the block, uh, Jim Carrey right. playing Biden. So what is your history? What is your impression of Jim Carrey as a comedian, as a figure? Jim Carrey is uh, like everything to me. He is... He, is the reason why I wanted to be an actor. Oh wow. No joke. I and it was it was the Grinch. I was watching the Grinch and I remember seeing a behind the scenes thing when I was like 7 years old and seeing him behind the scenes like getting his makeup on and like joking with people. That was when it like clicked in my head. I was like, "Oh, this is a job. Oh, you can go and do this." And so naturally like I of course then watched every single Jim Carrey movie ever. Right. Um, he also was uh, on a sketch show early in his career uh, in Living Color. Yes. And he auditioned for SNL. Yes, he did. Yeah, and he didn't and he didn't make it, but here he is again. What I think is, this is illustrating the 10 years of our age difference. So uh, <laughs> I'm in my mid-30s, Randall is in his mid-20s. And there could have not been a bigger person when I was in late elementary school than Jim Carrey, because that is during... The end, his transition from In Living Color, which mm-hmm. I like, got to watch a little bit. I was a little too young for it, but I remember him and the Wayans Brothers and uh, David Allen Greer and like those. Jamie Foxx, yeah. And Jamie Foxx, yeah. Uh, from that show. And I remember like bits and pieces. I remember Home of the Clown. I remember uh, Fire Marshal Bill. Oh, yeah. So when he, but when I was in late elementary school, that was Ace Ventura. And The Mask and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber and all those big movies in that mid late nineties period. So he like no one could be bigger than Jim Carrey. And I think one of my favorite single episodes of SNL is the episode that he hosted when he was promoting the cable guy. So he, uh, that is where he did the Spartan cheerleaders where he was Lockmeal, Lockmeal, who was um, on performance enhancing drugs. (laughs) And uh, he also had this great sketch where he was a, uh, he was doing lap swimming in a hot tub with Tim Meadows. And Will Ferrell was in it too. Will Ferrell. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Basically it was like a hot tub lifeguard (laughs) kind of thing. And his monologue was so funny because he kept on hitting 
the the promotion information for Cable Guy. Cable Guy. So, <laughs> uh, this, so the Cable Guy is over twenty years old, and yeah. I remember that it came out on June fourteenth <laughs> because he kept on saying, uh, which reminds me of the Cable Guy opening June fourteenth, and he said it multiple multiple times during the uh, during his monologue when he was there, and then. I think he's hosted once since then. Yeah. So he hosted back then promoting the cable guy a few years ago when they did that um, meet the carries sketch where a bunch of people were doing uh, Jim yeah, Carrey yeah. impressions to Jim Carrey, kind of like the play on the and meet the walk in sketch. That was when he did the Matthew McConaughey impression. Yes, that was Lincoln. when those Lincoln ads. Yeah. So it's been so Jim Carrey is is a talented sketch performer, gifted comedian just in general. But what I think people forget is that he he kind of started. As an impressionist. Right. So even in that, going back to that um, first SNL time when he hosted, they did this uh, a sketch where he was doing an impression of Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. With, with um, another cast member doing an impression of him. So, it, so he is just as gifted impressionist. And so he's doing that here with Biden. And one of my notes from... The sketch was just Jim Carrey's face. Yeah, that's one of the unique things about him being an impressionist is he changes his face as well as his, you know, his voice and and the mannerisms. Not many people can change their face. And when he came out as Biden with the aviators and that, that smile... I was like, I, I love, I love this already. It's, yes, he knocked it out of the park. I'm really into it. I, I like that they weren't, they weren't uh, doing too much with the idea that Biden is kind of dotty. They were kind of skipping over that. They addressed yeah. it a little bit. He, I think one of his quotes that I wrote down was, uh, "I'm going to start the beginning of twenty something ideas." Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> 20,000 ideas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, I think that he did a great job. It was understated. It's poking kind of fun at him, but not leaning too hard into the, he is the kind of talking points that he sleeps yeah. you're confused, he's whatever. Jail. Right. Yeah. So, but the structure is basically, they tried to redo the debate. Uh, what was interesting about the sketch is that I think it was really hard to capture how chaotic the actual <laughs> debate was, that what they did, especially leading to the moment where Jim Carrey as Biden said, well, you just shut up, man. Wasn't Baldwin's Trump wasn't nearly as much of <laughs> a, a, a presence as the actual Trump was in for those of us that uh, made the mistake of watching the debate. Yeah, yeah. My, I was watching it with my dad, and my dad goes, if you close your eyes, it just sounds like the actual debate. Right. <laughs> and I was like, you know, it looks like the actual debate, like everything about it. But yeah, it, oh, that's the... The hard thing about uh, doing SNL, I think, with Trump is Trump, like, is the sketch. Yes. And so it's very hard to then make a sketch about the sketch. Yeah. How do you parody how awful he was when it was, you just need to just, like, watch it? Yeah. Uh, other elements about the sketch, they they had a surprise Harry Styles <laughs> as a part of uh, Biden's uh, kind of meditation. I liked that they you they kind of obliquely referred to the earpiece thing. By that, there was that controversy about checking their ears for right. listening devices, where they both just like stuck an, an AirPod in. <laughs> where Biden or Carrie as Biden has this like Harry Styles thing, where they must have just like got Harry Styles to record something. Well, he does that Headspace app or something. Where oh, he tells okay, stories. so that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a meditation thing, and so yeah, I think they were trying to poke fun at that. 
That is very funny. That, I totally missed that. I just like the fact that Harry Styles did something. <laughs> and then in contrast, we had Cecily Strong as uh, Guilfoyle, yeah. uh, Kim Guilfoyle, just yelling for <laughs> Trump, which I thought was nice. <laughs> That's like his soothing thing. That was, uh, we talked about this before we started the podcast, was that it kind of, um, th- there were changes made to it. You could kind of see that that wasn't the original sketch that they wrote, and they had to kind of change it on the fly. Yeah, before... Midnight on Thursday night. Yeah. They I'm assuming the sketch was we're gonna do the debate. Yeah. And then they it looks like they added some stuff here and there, especially the end mm-hmm. with um with Biden pausing Trump and, and talking about kind of science safety and, and science karma. And, and karma. <laughs> uh I think that was a nice way of putting it. Uh, I, I, I didn't want I was hoping that they wouldn't be punching down too much on it, the our president who currently is very sick. Mm-hmm. So I think they, they thread a decent needle. And I thought that just talking about karma and science was a really nice way of framing it. Yeah. Uh, before the end of the sketch, they had Maya come out as Kamala Harris. And I thought that that was perfect that they yeah. were basically framing her as like the mom, like yeah. being the one adult <laughs> between the three of them, which I thought was a really nice way of deploying her. Yeah. 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 She's hilarious as Kamala, she's hilarious just by herself. But I do like the fact that, yeah, she comes in and is like, boys, boys, Trump. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was really nice. And also talking about uh, America needs a WAP, which is a woman. Uh, as president. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was very, very funny. <laughs> uh, so I think that uh, I thought the cold open was good. I think in, in, a, in a world in which the president isn't currently a Walter Reed Medical Center, it probably would have been a little cleaner. I think so, too. Uh, I thought it was a little bit too long. I think it was like almost 14 minutes long. Yeah, I think that yeah. that was the, the weight we were feeling. That length was the additional content that they felt like they had to add. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to the opening titles, new opening titles. Yeah. With uh, It's been a few years. They typically do this every, even as they add cast members, they just kind of like, kind of wedge them in into similar kind of environments to fit with the rest of the sequence. This time they did a brand new one with more than half of the cast members pictured in masks, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. And then featuring, this is also, we have three new featured players. So uh, Andrew Desmukes, Lauren Holt, and Punky Johnson are the three new ones. They join the other two returning feature cast members. Chloe Feynman and Bowen Yang. Yeah. And then we get to Chris Rock, which also, for the monologue, which also brings us to changes with the, the set and the band. Right, yeah, yeah. They had the, the bands all in masks, which is cool. And then also they had all the, the plexiglass uh, kind of there as well, which I thought was a good change. It doesn't really distract you. It doesn't really you know, take away too much, but you can see that, oh, they're trying. The only thing that bummed me out was the bass player is now like behind uh, the tenor sax player, who's also the band leader. I need to look up their names for next week. But one of my favorite things is watching the bass player, and now I can't because he's like out of frame. But yeah, I think that just very subtly, they should be wearing masks, especially because they have horn players that might kind of further spread virus. They decided to put them within plexiglass. So... You know, the horn players obviously have to remove their masks to play their instruments, but I thought that was a nice change. And then in addition to the changes that we saw, so in the, actually one of my notes I wrote in the, in the cold open was how big is this audience? Cause I was surprised by listen, watching other late night shows throughout the week. It was surprising to hear people laughing. Uh-huh. Uh, and so 
the answer to that question, they kind of showed where there was some audience members in the kind of bleacher style seats, and then mm-hmm. they had a collection of first responders in masks right on the floor, which I thought was a very cool thing to point out. And Chris Rock came out in a mask. Yeah, he came out in a mask. He took it off. And then I think also he said that they were testing all the audience members as well yes. throughout, or was it just for that night or throughout the week? Uh, I'm assuming they, they screened everybody that got to come in, and then it's he uh, he made it as part of his, his stand-up monologue talking about how many... He hasn't has... One of his lines was, I haven't had this much up my nose since I shared a, a dressing room with Chris Farley. <laughs> I thought that, that was, was so funny. Very, very cool. Very dark uh, humor. <laughs> very, yeah, right. Uh, I think it's cool. Somebody that was on the show with him being able to talk about that. So he actually... It's so funny. He had this kind of basically talking about uh, his the premise of his monologue was both talking about how COVID has ruined our plans, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, kind of honest. Uh, there's this great I mentioned. Uh, I guess I'll mention Lewis Black twice so far that he had this great thing in the in post nine eleven where he was talking about where I don't care who you are that you saw what happened in the news that day and had a little thought to yourself, well. That ruins my plans. <laughs> even in the wake of 9-11, Lewis Black had this great bit about talking about, like, even the best of people went, man. Yeah, all that's right. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and then Chris Rock talks a little bit about that, things that have had to change uh, in this time. And then he also really had a pretty strong statements about uh, our relationship with government, which I thought was a really interesting way of uh, talking about our current moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that I love... That Chris Rock did, and and that's what I like a lot when comedians point out the the obvious or the elephants in the room. And when he came out and explained to them that uh, we have first responders in the audience tonight, so uh, we're willing to let people die so that they can just watch this show. Yeah. I thought that that's just like hilarious and and funny, the way he <laughs> to put that. It's so dark. Yes, uh, we're talking about the the government stuff. He had a great line where he says, "We can't have kings, but we have dukes and duchesses in Congress that don't have term limits." So basically, right. we limit our president, but we don't limit the the people that serve in the House and Senate. And I thought that was really really interesting. And then he also talked about uh, seeing our news reporters being serious because and con talking about how. You never saw Walter Cronkite in shorts. In shorts, right. That's really what I took him. Yeah, the, the Fox News is always like saying it's the end of the world, whereas CNN has Anderson Cooper like <laughs> talking about what's great and having cocktails on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and, hanging out with Andy Cohen. <laughs> yeah. And then he ended with a James Baldwin quote, which I thought was really cool. So uh, Chris Rock, what I love about him is he can be, he's very funny. He's a very gifted comedian. He comes from that kind of Jerry Seinfeld school of precision, mm-hmm. and he knows exactly what he's going to say in the exact inflection, the exact timing. He's got that great special, I can't remember the name of it, where it was filmed in three different countries. Mm-hmm. Oh, three yeah. different cities, L.A., New York, and then in London. And they cut between locations within the framing of a joke. Yeah. So you can really highlight how precise that he is. So I thought whatever he said in his monologue was obviously well thought out and planned. And he had some really good kind of framing around his, his monologue. So after that, we come back from commercial break and it's the uh, news report with the kind of super spreader thing with the, with Heidi Gardner and Mikey day. Heidi's in the studio. Mikey's on the field talking to people. What do you think about this one? 
I thought it's an old joke that we've seen before. That is absolutely correct. So this same <laughs> framing was, I looked it up, this was used in the Rachel Brosnahan episode, the woman that plays Maisel on Mrs. Maisel, oh, yeah. uh, back in January of 2019. Yeah. Where then it was an earthquake, but basically the premise is a bunch of unfortunate names and yeah. people trying to get their names changed. I think they also did it, I, I remember one with Steve Carell, where he's given like a commencement speech or, or he's given out diplomas and everyone's name is is messed up like way way back when okay and it's obviously it's a it's this one i thought was interesting because the, the last time they did it with rachel brosnahan it was just kind of like goofy names uh-huh. these were like all sexual right they they had testicle yeah and then they had mike lit <laughs> uh and heidi towards the end of the sketch has uh says i hope hopefully you can find mike lit later <laughs> Yeah, he's like right under my nose. Probably not. Yeah, and then what was her name at the end? Her name was something like Spits and Swallows or something. Yes. So (laughs) I don't know. It 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 would say the joke. The premise is let's say a bunch of funny names, right? Which is which is the interesting thing to me about this is like the game or the joke of the scene is these ridiculous names. Mm -hmm. But they started it with like meeting these characters and he doesn't know what they're saying, which is like the oh my god. Oh and, yeah. Uh, uh, what was the other girl's name? Does a little uh, who's on first, right? The the person's yeah. try, saying their name. Yeah. And the name is unconventional, and he makes he first something else. Yeah. So yeah, they. I think that's a really interesting observation about this, where the joke is a bunch of funny names. Right. And they start with who's on first, essentially. Right. Right. I can't understand what you're saying. Yeah. And it's like, uh, okay, I guess you could have like can't like just cut that part out. But the cool thing about that was we saw the new the new cast members. Some yeah, of yeah, some up. of the new cast members uh, for sure. Right at the beginning, Irma Gerd was played by Lauren Holt, who's mm-hmm. one of the new ones. Uh, this was a good use of Pete Davidson just having fun because they. I looked back at the other sketch, and he was also behind oh, whoever was behind the podium <laughs> just kind of like joking around laughing at the premise so I thought it was nice yeah. to see him nice to see that Pete's doing well and laughing on stage yeah that's what, I mean the last time we were talking about is he's always the one who breaks and this is a sketch where they're like you're just gonna break yeah let him be another joke <laughs> that's all it is I honestly don't think we need to say anything else about it nope it was fine it was fine and then uh, before the next commercial break we go to uh, the music video this with uh, Pete and Chris and Keenan, Meg the Stallion and Ego Wodum uh, talking about it was like basically like a love song's a strong word, like a rap song about not knowing what the bottom of your lady's face looks like. Right, right. In this day and age, you don't know what they look like. I was, uh, you ever heard of the term butter face? Yes. I was, <laughs> I was telling my friend, I was like, "There's no more butter faces because you can't <laughs> see them. You can't. Everyone is beautiful now. Right. That's the good thing about this world. Everybody's got wonderful eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I really like their their musical stuff. It's it's cool seeing the kind of Chris Red Pete entity and Keenan taking kind the of the, the handoff island. from the Lonely Island yeah. kinds of things, and it feels really distinct. Interesting premise. Kind of got in and out. It's cool using the the musical guest that week, having Maggie Thee Stallion there. Yeah, she was great too. Her little rap segment. I wonder if 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 they write. Do you think that that they get to help write when it's like a a musical guest who's coming in? I don't know. I would assume so. They go like, "Hey, here's our premise. You're going to fill in this rap segment." Because uh-huh. I would imagine 
especially with the people that they've had featured in some of these numbers. Yeah. I, I just don't see a cast member dictating rap to <laughs> yeah. some of these folks. Uh, and then it kind of ends with Chris Rock basically doing the spoken word thing uh-huh. over, which reminded me of, he did something very similar on a Kanye album that there's basically a, a number where Chris Rock just like does a little spoken word kind of rap stuff yeah. in the middle. So it was cool. It was fine. It was fine, yeah. It, it feels like they're going to have lots of kind of COVID material, and this is part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the problem with that one was you got the biggest laugh uh, on that first verse when they really, when they go like, oh, it's, we, yes. I don't know the bottom of your face, and then it just kind of coasted, you know? I, yeah, I think with, the, with these musical numbers, fit a pattern where they establish a premise, mm-hmm. then they make the joke, then they have to figure out what to do, after, after that. that. And I think ones that have been more or less successful kind of escalate. And this one didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, an example of one I think that really successfully escalated was Making Love on My Twin Bed, mm-hmm. um, where it's like all the different couples at home for the holidays, like trying to like uh, get with their significant others, like at their childhood home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that one had like some nice escalating absurdity. Cause what's interesting is there's kind of two different camps that do the, these musical numbers. There's the kind of Chris red Keenan Pete group. And then there's the 80 Bryant group uh-huh. and eighties I think are amazing. So They're it's so funny. Yeah. It's that one. I first got horny to you is another one of the Cecily. Yeah. yeah the or theater, the 80 one, the theater kids one where they're trying to, Sleep together at like a, a theater party. Oh, the Crucible or, cast yeah, party yeah, yeah. one with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah. So it's, I hope that, that we continue to see that back and forth. This one I thought was fine. Yeah, it was good. Wasn't like was my fine. hair on fire or anything. Yeah. Uh, we come back and then <laughs> uh, there's the Tony Hawk sketch. Dude. Yes, go ahead. This is my favorite sketch. This was your favorite one. Okay. This is my favorite one. So, tell, so describe a little <laughs> bit about the premise of the sketch. So the sketch is, uh, where it's 20 years ago. Back in the day, and uh, we see a young uh, Kyle Mooney playing Tony Hawk on his PlayStation, and uh, I just relate to that. Just that I love the Tony Hawk game, and uh, I used to play it on my Game Boy Advance uh, all day long. And uh, the ghost of future comes to to visit him. It's Chris Rock yep. with a sword, a blade. Sure. <laughs> Chris Rock in all white with white hair with a sword. With a sword. And he's trying to show Kyle what's going to come of his life if he doesn't change his ways. And it's basically he's the same person. He's in his mom's basement, still playing video games. And it's his older self is Beck uh, yes. Bennett. And, uh, and he just thinks it's awesome. Yeah. What I think is funny is that, yeah, the, the, the framing of it, and this is, I'll make a nerd point of order for this uh, yeah. sketch, which really funny is so he's playing Tony Hawk 2 uh-huh. on his PlayStation 2. My my point of order is that Tony Hawk 2 was originally at a PlayStation 1 game, <laughs> and if he's playing it on his PlayStation 2, that means he's, a, he's playing his PlayStation game on a PlayStation 2, which was possible. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> more than 20 years ago. And then, so, and then he's playing the new game, uh-huh. which is Tony Hawk 1 and 2 Remastered, which came out a few weeks ago on his PlayStation 4. Right. Uh, so what I, we, we talked a little bit before in the last episode about like the genesis of sketches and the, clearly the genesis of the sketches, somebody got the remake of Tony Hawk 1 and 2 and was playing the hell out of it and went, <laughs> you know, my 12 year old self will be losing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they don't even care that like they're a loser and 
they just cared. The graphics, man. The graphics. There's a there's a wireless controller. Yeah. I I was really and then Heidi's in the sketch as well as mom, which <laughs> and then, yeah yes it's the 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 thing that the line that I pulled out that I really liked from Kyle was he kept on saying it looks like real. The graphics, they look like real, which is, feels like something I may have said when, I, you know, when the Nintendo 64 came out and my mind was blown because everything was in 3D. So uh-huh. like I, like th- my, we are currently in a room that contains a PlayStation 2 <laughs> and a PlayStation 4 and a bunch of other video game equipment because we are in my pod office. So I, I relate to the video game person for sure. Yeah. Uh, I And then... Uh, I really like the framing at the end. So talk to me. How, how do we get out of the sketch? So usually the SNL is, I think, and any sketch show is has problems ending a sketch. It's it's hard to end a sketch yeah. on a high note. And uh, they end it with Keenan Thompson coming in and saying, hey, that's no way to talk to your mother. And then Kyle Mooney looks in the camera and goes, what? Keenan Thompson is married to my mother and it like a TV title. Yes. Like it's a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is also what it's funny because as a guy that grew up watching Keenan on all that when I was a kid, it would kind of blow my mind if my mom got remarried to Keenan Thompson. That's not like very authentically nineties. Yeah. But it's also just so funny is like, I thought Keenan was a character and then it's just him. No. It's yeah. Just, it's just Keenan playing Kenan. himself. <laughs> He's been on the show long enough that now he can just play himself. Yeah, it was such a ridiculous sketch, yes. and and it ended ridiculously, and I loved it. Yeah, I the my only kind of technical thing that I'll mention is that what, right before they do that, we're going to go into the future with the kind of squiggly stuff. You see, like Beck duck into frame. I'm not oh, sure if you saw. You can I see, didn't see the, that. So as as they're doing that, like in the bottom left corner of the frame, you can see like his hair like ducking down. So uh-huh. I could be like, well, I guess somebody's about to enter. <laughs> it's about to be revealed because we could see him. What's interesting, I think, with this cast is you see uh, Kyle and Beck kind of play these characters a lot. Yes. And and they're kind of that duo. And then you have the Pete and Chris duo who kind of do the music and yes. that kind of stuff. And then you have the AD Brian and Kate McKinnon who do like the weird yes. girl stuff. It, it, they all like kind of there's clicks in this cast. That's what I would imagine that there's kind of writing partnerships and you definitely like Kyle and Beck were the good neighbor kind of team beforehand. So mm-hmm. they kind of came in as a unit together. So it's not surprising that they work a lot together, but they're still really good together. And Beck, that all being said, Beck said like two lines. Yeah. So it feels like Beck and Kyle were playing a lot of Tony Hawk, came up with a sketch and then, <laughs> and then deployed it. So then the, the next thing that we have is Chloe Feynman, who I absolutely love. She is a, a great impressionist. She didn't get a lot of attention last season. I think mm-hmm. uh, SNL sometimes struggles with what to do with impressionists. This is kind of the Jay Farrow problem that they had. Yeah. They, they had this guy who did basically an impression of every prominent African-American person and couldn't really find an avenue for his success, and then he moved on from the show. Uh, yeah. But now they have Chloe Feynman, who I think they realized her strength when they were doing the at-home episodes where she was doing kind of like impression feature things. Uh, And then this one is her as Drew Barrymore with the kind of the frame around it was that there's been kind of problematic stuff with Ellen. So we will have the opposite of Ellen who is Drew Barrymore who in real life has her show and is kind of kooky and fun. 
I had no idea that it was a real show. So I'm watching this oh, sketch nice. and I'm like, oh, this is a great premise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I go look it up when I'm doing research and I was like, what? <laughs> this is a show? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, she nailed the the uh, impression. She was so funny in this one. Yeah, so she's doing both herself. And mm-hmm. this is one of the things that I think is great about when you do a film sketch. So it's her playing uh, Drew Barrymore and playing Reese Witherspoon with being interviewed by Drew Barrymore <laughs> and playing uh, Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. as an interview. And then they also had uh, Alex Moffat playing Tom Green. Tom Green recently was on the real Drew Barrymore show. And then it ends with Keenan as Billy Porter, <laughs> which was amazing. That, that, that was a very, that's a very strong sketch as well. The, the premise is there. It escalated. Yes. Uh, and then it had a good ending, a good, <laughs> I think every, every sketch is in with Keenan Thompson just at the end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a way to end a sketch. Keenan. Keenan, come here. Uh, yeah. I, I think this may be my favorite one of the night. I really mm. like Chloe. I was surprised that they brought her back as a featured player. Yeah. Um, not as a normal cast member. I feel like she's going to be promoted sometime, hopefully in the season, if not next, because she is really strong and this was a great vehicle for her. Just let her do a bunch of impressions and be kind of funny and kooky. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things, so when I was doing the re- research, I found it on YouTube as well. And I was looking at the comments. I like to look at the comments oh, of some okay, of these yeah. sketches and the Drew Barrymore show and Tom Green both commented on that clip it was like that's pretty accurate or <laughs> alex you got my voice down i think uh tim uh green said that that's um, very it's cool. so funny i was like oh that's awesome i need to try that i need to check out the the sketches what i do is on saturday night i basically put my phone away or i don't like allow myself to check twitter because i feel like when there's a new episode of snl i want the novelty of uh-huh. what's going to happen and i want to be surprised because part of comedy is not knowing what's going to happen and so i try to intentionally not know what's going on and i subscribe to their youtube channel so i also like have to avoid youtube <laughs> until i watch the new episode on sunday morning so uh we get to meg the stallion yeah she had some video boards she sang Savage, mm-hmm. which I know mostly from TikTok. Yes, same. And uh, I think saying that she was singing is uh, is overstating what happened. Yeah, yeah. She would take, yeah, she'd put the mic down and her voice was still going. And I was like, how is this? Oh, she's not, why bring the mic up anymore? <laughs> yeah, I, so Meg Thee Stallion is very popular. She is very good. I thought she was great in the sketches yeah. throughout the evening. I like her music. That being said, it bums me out when you come to a live performance venue and as a musician, you don't perform live. I totally understand that like when you tour, you might not have a full band, so you might sing to a track. I mm-hmm. totally get that. I was very surprised that it seemed that she was not singing at all because very early in the number, she has like a coat on and they have these really cool, the video boards with the really cool kind of black and white pattern mm-hmm. uh, where, so she had this coat on, she hands over her mic and then takes off her coat in which she is not, the voice is still happening, but mm-hmm. she is not singing into the microphone because one of her dancers is holding it. Right. Uh, and then that was kind of it. Towards the end, there is some voiceover, including a quote from Malcolm X about the, the kind of most uh, endangered person is the black woman, which mm-hmm. is really cool. She had a really strong statement at the end, the really cool effect with the video boards. So I thought it was a good performance, but right. she was not singing. They also on the video boards had some gunshots with blood coming out of them and had this really kind of powerful message and then went back into a chorus of the song and then got out of it that way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, 
we had, we had talked about this previously. Like the the musical guest, I think is a, music is very integral to the show. I thought she gave a good performance, but she just like wasn't singing, which bummed yeah. me. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a bummer. I think she could have. I think she she could have ended it on her speech, and I think it would have been more powerful. I agree. I think that was probably the way. Yeah, go. yeah. Uh, so we get to update, or Keenan Thompson just pops out. That would have been the. That's way what we needed. That's we needed <laughs> Keenan. So we get to, <laughs> so we get to update, and uh, our our friends Colin and Michael are back. I thought this was a really strong update. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Especially knowing that all I mean, they did a bunch of talking about Trump with COVID, and knowing that that happened Thursday night, late Thursday night, and that they made all. I want to see what they threw out. Yes. You know they had yeah they they had a lot of timely stuff. It's a lot easier for easier. I'm not a writer on SNL. I'm sure mm-hmm. it's very hard. But what's nice about the structure of Update is they can just swap jokes in and out the way that they, if they need to. And so that felt appropriately topical compared to the the, the cold open. Mm-hmm. And I thought they were great. I really missed them. I thought they did a great job. I really, they did two correspondent pieces mm-hmm. and probably two of my favorite current returning, returning correspondent pieces. Yeah. So they had Bowen Yang as the Chinese trade advisor, trade daddy, yeah. who is just absurd. He is so good. He, he, again, like Chloe Feynman, I am stunned that they brought him back as a feature player and not like a regular cast member. Cause he is so yeah. good. Yeah. Everything he's been in that he shows up in, it's hilarious. And he uh, did a little of the savage dance. Yeah, uh, uh, the savage kind of <laughs> challenge in, from TikTok in his bit talking about uh, TikTok as uh, being taken over by an American company because of what China's doing or what China's allegedly allegedly doing. Um, <laughs> he was so strong. He's so sassy in that character. He's so funny. I I love Bowen Yang and everything. Yeah, I I, I really like that returning correspondent piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it turns into it turned into the TikTok at the very end too. He did yes. the lip the lip syncing to the TikTok. Which oh yeah, the, uh, I'm not gonna do it, girl. Yeah, <laughs> I did it. So I thought that was really good. Uh, I really like that they just uh, earlier in update they just very kind of sincerely were impressed by the NBA successfully um, having a bubble. Yeah. And they were like, just expand it to the rest. Of yeah. <laughs> like you and I are both big NBA basketball fans uh-huh. and it's the one sport that's not been delayed due to outbreaks within the season that they established. So I thought it was cool. It was like, Hey, good job. Yeah. Good job. Uh, good job. Commissioner Silver. You yeah. did it. Yeah. So that one was really strong. And then uh, the last thing of the of update is A.D. Bryant coming back as the little girl travel expert, which talking about the the highlights of just being at home with your family. Yeah, her staycation. She she had some very good lines. Yeah, she was really good. Uh, she, her, one of the, the things about this, it was interesting because like some correspondents, they'll have interact with either Colin or Michael. Mm-hmm. Both of these... Yeah. interact with Michael. They both previously have done that with Che. And so her kind of runner of like, Michael, Michael, uh, yeah. one of the things she mentioned that she had, they were listening to church on the radio because uh, uh, going to church is illegal, I guess. Uh, and uh, said that she went to church in a tankini, which yeah. is very funny. Uh, and then the, the last thing, which was so sweet, the way that they, before, so they, they finished update with, with A.D. Bryant, and then they kind of panned to the audience with Kate dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, just looked into the camera, put her hand over her heart and looked up. And then they cut to this photo of a 
of the her SCOTUS gown and the collar and her glasses and just said rest in power. And I just thought that was absolutely beautiful. I was curious about what they would do with RGB. I didn't know if she was going, they were going to bring her back and have her, because they've done that before where they've had mm-hmm. celebrities that do impressions after, the, or character, actors that have done celebrity impressions after the death of the celebrity mm-hmm. of the prominent figure. And this one, it was just so wordless and sincere and beautiful. And I'm sure that Kate, like a lot of people had a kind of idolized Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And it was really cool the way that they honored her. It was, it was so beautiful. It was so sweet. Yeah. When, when SNL is being funny and hilarious and being itself. And then when they take those moments, it really hits home. It really is powerful. Yeah. And it was so simple and so effective. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that they took, the time to to do that to to honor the the late the loss of the justice. So that was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, so after that, we get the NBA bubble draft. Uh, this was another one that the I don't I don't even I don't even think the premise was that strong. So the, <laughs> <laughs> I think the less said about this one, but the better. Yeah. Chris Rock is the commissioner of the NBA bubble mm-hmm. be saying basically that the players can only bring certain members of their family into the bubble. So basically the players that are either cheating on their wives or are not married or with a significant other need to draft women to be part of their kind of to, to join them in Orlando. Yeah. And so basically it was a bunch of female stereotypes trotted out. Right. And just these characters, uh, who was it? One of them was, well, the, the thing that I enjoyed the most was actually seeing, uh, Alex doing, uh, commissioner, uh, silver. Yeah. That was, that was funny, but <laughs> yeah, the rest of it, I was like, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. And nobody really stood out. Nobody had a lot to do. What was interesting is so they, they set up the premise with Ego, Chloe, Chloe, and Lauren. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, we're doing a we're doing a dating game sketch. There's right. going to be a a person that wants to date them. They'll answer questions because they were set up all three in a line, which mm-hmm. is how you do a dating game sketch. So they all establish themselves as characters, and then they disappear, they and then it's just uh, eighty, and then Kate, uh, Kate. Uh, as a stereotypical lesbian asking where the, and she starts naming where the players from WNBA teams are. Mm-hmm. And then Maya as uh, a white that's being cheated on. Uh, Didn't Heidi show up in that one too? Heidi, she, she shows up. So yeah. it's basically all the women and they'll do some sketches like this where they'll just trot a bunch of the women out for one liners where they, when they do their bachelor kind of parodies, which I really do like because yeah. I feel like in those, the joke is that the the women in the cast are so disdainful of the women on these dating shows that you can kind of feel that satire. Yeah. This was just like a bunch of, for lack of a better word, women are sluts and opportunists. Here's this sketch. And it just felt, it wasn't that funny and it was kind of gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So moving on. Uh, and then the last one, I guess... Yeah, so this is the the last sketch of the night, which is not it was not in its typical spot. Mm-hmm. It was not after the the last musical guest. It was before then, and it was 
a so they started with the framing device of stunt performers basically doing a TikTok mm-hmm. where they throw a punch and then the next person responds or whatever. And then they highlighted Kate and Adie as uh, as stunt performers that feature in children's comedies where they get beat up. Yeah. <laughs> the I started laughing at this sketch immediately because I had seen that video or that trend of, of yes. people fighting each other. And I, I just, the, how good they were at doing it made it so much funnier that it was like, it looked like the real thing because the real thing's ridiculous. And, yeah, uh, it was, um, <laughs> it was Ego and Chris Red and I think Mikey, uh, Mikey, Mikey Day. Mikey Day, yeah. Yeah. And then to, I like the job, this was a good one where it was building each time. Yes. And then you had these two, of course, the weird, the weird characters played by Kate McKinnon and, and Amy Bryant. Bryant doing, uh, <laughs> I get hit at and I fart. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. I get paid. Uh, I thought that the, the, you know, the, the other three, Ego, Chris and, and Mikey are playing kind of the straight men in the scene. And then, uh, Kate and Adie are talking about how they just get beat up for children's movies, but that was uh, if you get those two together, it feels right. When I realized that that was the last sketch of the night, that made a little bit more sense. Because mm. th- this is my SNL framing brain. It's like, oh, if this isn't the last sketch, there will be something weirder than this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But then there wasn't a last sketch. So this was the kind of weird thing at the end. I thought that uh, framing it around the, the TikTok video, initially I was like, oh, they're just kind of recreating something that already exists. But then mm. clearly they kind of took the the thing where they were prominent stunt performers, which I thought was clever. And it's just Kate and Adie being weird. Yeah. Yeah. They're just in their element playing these characters. And we've seen these characters before. Yeah. So I thought that was real good. And then that's kind of it. So we get one more performance from, from Meg the stallion with young thug. They have a song together. They sang it. Do you think he was actually singing it? Maybe. (laughs) And then at the end, uh, we get, uh, Jim, so I always like to see who sticks around for the good nights. Yeah. Baldwin does not. Right. He is out of the building as soon as possible. He never sticks around for the good nights. But it took me a while to realize that Jim Carrey was there because he was wearing a mask and a ski cap and I could not recognize him. But yeah. it, him and Maya stuck around and did, there was a lot of elbow touching. Mm-hmm. They weren't, because normally the good nights, um, the song that is played is called A Waltz in A. That is the name of the song oh. that they play. I didn't uh, know that. So while they're doing that, normally it's a lot of hugging and messages or whatever. And there's yeah. a lot of elbow touching and Chris Rock just yelling at people to wear a mask, which is great. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, so the, the note that I made during that sketch was that was the only time I saw Melissa Villasenor because she wasn't even in the SNL bubble draft sketch. Oh, yeah. She was not in the episode at all. Until that one, yeah. Until the goodnights. She was not in the episode at all. That was the only time we saw her. And I think she's the only one. I think, because uh, Punky and Lauren were both in the um, NBA bubble draft sketch. Andrew Desmukes was kind of a background character in a couple of sketches. He drops off the Buffalo Wild Wings mm-hmm. for one of the characters oh, in yeah. the bubble draft sketch. But that was kind of it for him. But yeah, so no Melissa at all, which yeah. is concerning. For me, because I really like her. Yeah, she's, she's another good. very talented impressionist that yeah. they're not using a whole lot of. So that was kind of it. That was our first episode uh, back from the summer hiatus. So we're going to go through our awards. Mm-hmm. So, Randall, I think we already talked about this. What was your best sketch of the night? Uh, my favorite was the Kenan Thompson 
uh, is married to my mom or whatever. That that sketch cracked me up. Yeah, the, the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater yeah. uh, future one with Kyle Mooney. Yeah, I think my favorite was the one right after that was the Drew Barrymore yeah. show with Chloe Fineman. So that I it was not a lot to choose from tonight. I Mm-mm. don't think, and I think that's because the cold open was so long. That's I a really think good we point. Lost, yeah. We lost a sketch because. It was 14 minutes long. That is absolutely right. I think that in dress rehearsal, because they do the whole show for a dress rehearsal audience a few hours before the final uh, run of the show, and they're still cutting things at that time. I bet whatever the actual last sketch of the night was, was cut for time. Yeah. Or something was shifted around. But yeah, that, that opening cold open was so long that we probably lost a sketch because of that. That's a really good point. Yeah. So who is your uh, most ready for primetime player this week? Who's your favorite cast member this week? I have to go with Chloe. I yeah. think that she was just, she shined in this one and she got to do what she's good at doing and she was great at it. Yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you. That was going to be mine. Mm-hmm. I think that she got a great sketch in the Drew Barrymore sketch. She did a great job What her kind of limited Stuff that she got in the NBA bubble draft was also good. Yeah, she's the second character that, yeah, she had a good character. She's also in the the news report sketch at the beginning and funny. She's just very good. I'm glad that they're featuring her. So yeah. we have some consensus there with our favorite. I think I, I will give a, a shout out, though, to Beck. I thought when yeah. he, his Chris Wallace was so strong, and I think he got outshined by Jim Carrey doing Biden, but I think his Chris Wallace was solid. Yeah, it was interesting when I was thinking about it going into this week. I, was, I wasn't sure who was going to play Chris Wallace because it was going to be Beck or Mikey or Alex. Mm-hmm. It was going to be one of the three of them. And I was surprised that they pick, picked Beck because he's kind of less physically looks, kind of vocally and physically looks less like Chris Wallace, but he did a great job. He's he did, very fun. Yeah. So I, we have some consensus with Chloe. And so next one is. Who are you buying tickets for? Like, are we, what's our uh, kind of up, stock up, stuck down with our host and our musical guests? So, uh, Chris Rock, are mm-hmm. you buying tickets for the next Chris Rock thing? Definitely. That's, but that's just because it's Chris Rock. I will say that I am going to check out Fargo, though, because I do want to see it. And I guess that's why he was there. So, I, I think he, I am buying tickets to whatever he's selling. Yeah. I, I watched the first episode of Fargo last week and it is great. It's He's good. super good. Yeah. You know what I feel like with Chris Rock though, in this episode, I don't feel like he was really featured like the host should be. We did not talk about Chris Rock significantly after we talked about the monologue. Right. Yeah. He was just kind of there, but he didn't, I don't know. It seemed like he wasn't a, <laughs> as strong as like most hosts are, or, or, you know? Yeah. I think that that's a really good point that, there are some hosts where they are the center of the action and they write things for the host. Mm-hmm. And this felt like an episode where they wrote things around the host. Because mm-hmm. if you look at the sketches, he's obviously not in the cold open. He's typically not going to be there anyway. He is the straight man in the Tony Hawk sketch. He is the straight man in the news report sketch. He does a little bit in the music video. Yeah. He is the straight man in the bubble draft sketch. He is not in the virtual fight sketch at all. Yeah, yeah. So he wasn't in a lot. No. Yeah. So. That's interesting. I'm interested to see how he compares to our host for next week. So we are just positive on Chris Rock because he's great. I highly recommend Fargo. Mm -hmm. He is very good. Sweet. And then Megan Thee Stallion. 
Probably, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. I'll, I think if she was singing live, I would have, and I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but she's very, she's a good dancer. I liked her performance, but it did not make me any more interested in getting into her music than I was through TikTok and other kind of elements of culture since I've heard of her. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I'll listen to her on the radio. I mean, Savage is a great song, but, yes. but yeah, I don't think I'm going to go see her in, in concert or buy her album. I don't think you can go see her in concert. I, you're there right, are no you concerts. <laughs> uh, and our last thing is looking forward. So next week, is, so they announced the next two sets of hosts. And next week, we have Bill Burr, mm-hmm. who I absolutely love. Yes. And then the musical guest is somebody I had to look up. It is Morgan Wallen, who is a country singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like from uh, Georgia Line or something, right? That. Oh, is he? I think he is. Sure. I could be wrong. I could have just made that up. I watched, uh, I watched one of his music videos, and the song was uh, basically the song was about you, as a woman, you need to be better than his hometown because oh. he loves his hometown <laughs> so much that the lady in his life must live up to being better than his hometown. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, that sounds like a good country song. The, I'm expressing my interest in country music (laughs) through my observation of his music. But uh, Bill Burr is a really interesting choice because he's been a longtime stand-up comedian. He's been in uh, lots of comedy roles and kind of small things. Uh If you don't recognize him by name, you've probably seen him in something. But I'm assuming he is in this because he was recently in The King of Staten Island with Pete Davidson, Mm -hmm. directed by Judd Apatow. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's what brings him by. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with him. Uh, Bill Burr is also a, a great East Coast kind of comedian. Yeah, Boston, right? He's, he's a Boston he guy. He's a Boston, Boston comedian. And so I have a soft spot in my heart for, for Boston comedians. So I am very excited to see what they do with him. I hope that they feature him as a performer in sketches. I think they will. I think it's just like there's certain – like, and we even talked about how Chris Rock doesn't wasn't really a – that famous of an SNL member when he was on the show. Yes. And I just feel like when he was back, they were like, okay, we're testing out other cast members, you know? Yeah. But he, he is a great standup yeah. and, uh, he was on a sketch show. He was on SNL and it, just, it was not something that people remember him for. It is, right. You don't think of him as a cast member at SNL. You think of him as a standup. You think of him as somebody that is in movies occasionally. Yeah. Just as like a cultural entity, but he is his strength is stand up, and we saw that in the monologue. But and then you also saw that they didn't use him that much. So I think yeah. having another stand up, but Bill uh, Bill Burr has done a lot of guest appearances on television shows, and mm-hmm. so I think that that makes me believe that he's going to be well suited to this format. I think he will. He's got a show too on Netflix, an animated show. Called, oh, is that? I F- think it's yeah. F is, is, that F is for family. Yeah, that's him. That's okay, his show. Yeah. So he, I, I, I think we'll get a lot of him. Yeah. In terms of predictions, I really don't have very much. I just hope in the deepest part of my heart that there is some obnoxious Bostonian sketch. Oh, like yeah. I want something where we're doing hard, you know, hard Boston accents. Like that is really <laughs> all I want. Rachel Dratch comes back. I want Rachel Dratch yeah. and Bill Burr and some other folks doing Boston accents, just <laughs> killing some stuff. And then the other thing that's going to happen between now and then allegedly, is the vice presidential debate. Right. So sometime next week should be the debate between Kamala Harris and um, Vice President Pence. Mm-hmm. So that should be Maya Rudolph and Beck Bennett. Bennett, yeah. So that might be the cold open again. It might not. It might be that that debate doesn't happen. 
Who knows? Yeah, uh, we might get we might get another Jim Carrey appearance. Yeah, well, I think that they, they the idea is that they're going to keep them nearby through the election, mm-hmm. so at least the next few weeks. And typically, schedule-wise, SNL will take a break every three or four shows. They typically, with their initial run, right. will do three or four straight. I'm assuming that we'll get new shows between now and the election and probably the week after, and then maybe they'll take a hiatus. Yeah, yeah, I saw a, an article where Lauren Michael says this is going to be the longest streak that they've ever done. I think they're doing five shows in a row. Okay, yeah. I, I, didn't, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, and he was like, it's going to be difficult, but we have to do it. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're going to do, I think, five. Or maybe four. I don't know. That makes a lot of sense, because just looking at the calendar, they need to get through this kind of current moment and get through the election. And then they also probably want to do an episode after the election right. and then they'll take their hiatus. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. And I think, uh, the, the week after next, uh, they've announced that one as well. Who is it? So they've both announced this next week with Bill Burr and Morgan Wallen. And then the week after that is Issa Rae from Insecure and musical host or musical guest, Justin Bieber. Oh, Okay. So I think that'll be interesting. So we have the next couple of weeks planned out. Like we said, they're probably going to go through the election and beyond. But Randall, thank you for talking SNL with me. Dude, thanks for having me. I love talking SNL. Thank you all so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. You can follow us on Twitter at SNRewind. So twitter.com slash SNRewind. You can find me on Twitter at MrBParadise. You can find Randall at Fresh Cut Randall Mm -hmm. on Twitter and Instagram. So please, if you like this, share this with your friends. If you would like to ask us questions, you can email us at snrewindpod at gmail.com, snrewindpod at gmail.com. And hey, if we get enough emails, we might start doing like a listener email segment where we respond to this. Wouldn't that be great? So if you are enjoying the show and like to ask us a question, want us to discuss something, go ahead and email us there at snrewindpod at gmail.com. So thank you. Thank you. And until next week, have a great week. We'll see you then. Yeah.